Hi, I'm Stacy. I love talking about how to know and live out God's callings in our lives, preferably cozied up with steaming beverages in comfy armchairs. You can head to my website, stacysummero.com, for more on discernment. That's S-T-A-C-E-Y-S-U-M-E-R-E-A-U.com. Did you know that this is episode 25? This is very special for me. We are a quarter of the way to 100 episodes, and this is really cool. Apparently, there are listeners in 34 countries to Called and Caffeinated. So hello to all my friends in Panama and Micronesia. No, wait, that's not a country. Sorry. All the listeners in all the 34 countries, I am so glad that you have joined me. The downloads are growing every single day, and I am so blessed and honored that you are on this journey with me to make God-centered decisions and good discernment. Uh, if you haven't yet, please get the free prayer of surrender on my website, which is the key to all dis- all good discernment. I want to also thank my caffeinated cronies on Patreon. I am so grateful for you guys. Um, you really, really make my heart so happy. <laughs> so thank you for supporting me. If you want to become a caffeinated crony, it's only $5 a month. It's like buying me a latte. And you get exclusive access to my new Catholic faith and lifestyle show called Coffee Sips. And we are having a ton of fun over there. I also wanted to let you know, this is just the update section of the podcast, um, which I'm going to try to go through quickly because my daughter's waking up from her nap and I have to go grab her from her crib. Um, If you head to my website and you can uh, look up under my speaking tab, I have a new sizzle reel for my speaking and I've been working very hard on it. It's been a lot of fun and a lot of work. So take it, you check that out and please do me a favor, pass that on to anyone you know who is hosting an event. I would love to come meet you in person and speak for your event. And as always, at the end, I'm going to be singing a song called One Voice, One Song. This is from my childhood. It's by Carl Strawman is his name. And we used to sing this when I was in choir as like a eight-year-old little Stacy soprano uh, with a bowl cut, blonde bowl cut, if you can imagine that. I don't know if it's actually liturgically appropriate to sing at Mass, but we did. And I think it's a lovely song. Father Leo Paddling Hug is as spicy as they come, but he also puts the hug in Paddling Hug. So you may know him as the cooking priest because he beat Bobby Flay in a fajita throwdown, I believe, on the Food Network. And he's also a just totally unique speaker. So he break dances and he breaks boards in his talks. Father Leo and I met when he interviewed me on his radio show about my reality TV show, which I'm sure you all know about by now. It was called The Sisterhood Becoming Nuns. And in this episode, I'm so honored to talk with Father Leo, who's a very busy gentleman, but he made time to talk about your biggest discernment frustrations. So some people uh, reached out to me and they were afraid of making the wrong choice, not knowing who's conflicting advice to listen to, unsure whether the fear you're feeling is because it's a bad choice or whether it comes from the devil, feeling a lack of a clear answer or unsure if you're following God's will or your own will. This stuff is real. I know it's so hard and confusing. A Father Leo is here to clarify. So let's get to it. Father Leo, thank you so much for joining me on Called and Caffeinated. It's my pleasure. Thank you. Do you happen to be drinking a caffeinated beverage right now or is that not your... I actually am. Absolutely. I just uh, had a workout and breakfast and a cup to go. Yes, love it. Is it uh, usually black coffee? Is that your jam? Uh, with just a little splash of cream and no more than maybe a teaspoon or two. Okay, nice, nice. So, Father Leo, what calls have you received from God in your life so far, and what do those calls look and feel like? 
So the primary call was for me to discern out of diocesan priesthood and to discern into consecrated life as a Catholic priest still by entering what is known as a secular institute. So it literally was a vocation within my vocation. Mm. And so now instead of being a diocesan priest, I'm literally a consecrated secular institute Catholic priest. It's still a priest. Everyone always wonders about that. Mm. But now we actually have not only a specific mission, uh, a charism is what it's called, Mm -hmm. but we also now have a pontifical community. In other words, this was created this type of religious life was created by the Pope. And also, I have to take on the evangelical character of poverty. You see, mm-hmm. the diocesan priests, they don't vow poverty. But now I do, which means even though I have to work for a living because no one is paying me anything, I got to work if I want to eat. And you know I like to eat. But now, <laughs> <I> that, <do. laughs> now as a secular institute priest, I have to not only work for my pay, but I also have to be devoted to giving to the poor and to charity. So we have a very specific calling. So that's certainly a call within a call. Yeah, that's really interesting. So you're not assigned to a parish. No, and that's kind of like the big difference. Some of our members are assigned to parishes or, or ministry, whether it be to hospitals or schools or or, you know, um, chaplaincy programs and such like that. But my discernment led me to a very unique type of ministry, which is being the founder of Plating Grace and also the chairman for the Table Foundation. And both of those organizations are connected to food as a vehicle to expand the faith. Mm-hmm. I love it. That's so cool. And this leads me into my next question for you, which is that, um, you know, I've I've read this this quote by St. Irenaeus many times in my life, which is the glory of God is man fully alive. And you're just so fully alive with your, like you said, plating grace and you're speaking and you're traveling. You have so much going on. And uh, I think there's kind of this misconception that following God's will is going to mean that you have to leave all of your talents behind, that there couldn't possibly be a life that could fit all of the unique things that God has designed for you. When in fact it is his deepest desire to use those, those talents and those gifts, maybe not all at once, maybe not, you know, all the time in every season of your life, but certainly to, to really um, allow you to be fully alive. So what is, um, I'd love to hear just a little bit more about kind of how you have found your way as a, a priest with, I believe you said the secular Institute. Correct. Yes. Uh, yeah. So that, that quote has been used by so many people or attributed to so many people, including, you know, Augustine mm. and even St. Ignatius of Loyola. Irenaeus is certainly older than all of them. But really, the first person was Jesus. He said, I came so that you may have life and have it to the fullest. Mm. And, and when we talk about that, he wants to make sure we have our own life. You know, the charism of Mary was very different from the charism and the calling of, 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 of the apostles and St. Joseph and all of the other saints. You know, you take a look, for example, of, um, you, you take, for example, the, the, the sinful life that Mary Magdalene left behind and called to a newness of, of, of life. 
And so it's almost like when she wanted to cling to the resurrected body, it was because in her past life, people used to cling to her physically and sexually. And so Mm -hmm. I always see it as like, you know, God doesn't want you to forget your past. He wants you to use it in a more perfected way. And so God doesn't want you to forget your talents. God wants you to use it in a more glorified and perfected way. Mm. And so the, the whole idea of discernment is to allow people to, first of all, ask the one question, what do I enjoy in life? And am I using it for my glory or am I using it for God's greater glory? Yes. And, and so you'll see how in the past, I used to be a break dancer. I used to be a martial artist. I used to love political science speech and debate. And I'm starting to realize that when I became a priest, my biggest question was, is God calling me to be a priest? And after I was ordained a priest, I forgot to ask the question, how does God want me to be a priest? Mm. What are the ways that God wants to use my passions for his greater and glory? Mm-hmm. So I think a lot of times people put God and religious priests and nuns and, and, and successful and happy, faithful lay people to put them in a box mm-hmm. and say, oh, now you have to be this if you're going to be a follower of Christ, which is so contrary to everything mm-hmm. about the Catholic history and the lives of the saints. They were all amazing. This is saints literally for everything, from <laughs> prostitutes to cooking to baking to entertainment, you know, uh-huh. stop putting us in a little bubble discernment bursts that bubble. Yes. Yes. Oh my gosh. That was so good. And I'm just remembering in 2015, I got to see you on the main stage at the National Catholic Youth Conference, which was like my first speaking engagement ever, which is crazy. And uh, you were main stage for that. And I'll never forget that you, you did a whole presentation about like the spiritual life being like martial arts. And then you broke a board in front of 25,000 screaming teenagers. And I just will never forget that because um, I just thought, you know what? This really connects with people. He's using this this random talent of his that's really impressive and he's putting it to use for God's glory. And I started thinking, I was like, yeah, I know how to eat fire. Like it's not... It's not like it's a, I mean, it's kind of a, like a, a stupid trick in a way, you know, it's, it doesn't take a whole lot of technique, but it's definitely something that most people can't do. And so I started incorporating it into my talks wherever I can, because people get nervous about having an open flame. But, you know, it, it's just another way in which all of those little random things, God can definitely use them in your vocation. And you just don't know exactly how he's going to do it, but you can count on the fact that he's going to do it. Yeah, absolutely. And so just to clarify, I broke five boards, just letting you know. Okay. <laughs> it's a little hard you know, and a lot of times people, and, 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 and I say that, and I say that in a very tongue-in-cheek way, because part of my shtick is to be gimmicky, to be kind of corny, to pretend like I'm showing off, but really I'm not, because in all honesty, I know I'm an idiot, and that God uses me should give hope to the entire freaking planet, and perhaps even universe, you know? And so I know all of this about me. But you know, where did that gimmicky showmanship come from? I think it came from my Filipino background. Mm-hmm. And like, I look at my family, and we're all kind of like little performers. You know, when we mm-hmm. have parties, we don't have parties, we have 
performances and programs, you know, <laughs> like when I was a kid, when I was a kid, we started off, you know, it's like every time we had a guest in their house, it didn't matter who it was. It could have been the president or a poor person. My parents would trace us in all four kids and we would have to do a program for oh these gosh. people. And now it makes sense as to why I'm such a corny piece of shtick. You know, I mean, like, I'm just, I'm just a corny weirdo. And for some reason, I guess it resonates with most yeah. people just because they, they remembered feeling being put on the spot. So the whole idea of me breaking boards, doing a jump sidekick over three people and, you know, breaking a board with my foot it was all not to show like, oh, look what I can do. Because frankly, I'm getting old. I can't do it as cool and look good as when I was young, when I was younger. But I did it to prove a point about how we can break through the, the challenges in our life and even the cycle of sin. Mm -hmm. And so we do need to first discern what makes you happy. What are you good at you know if that was the case my god we would have so much better music than we have in churches today mm -hmm. some of these cancers i want to tell them y'all need to discern a little bit better because you ain't that good at this you know if you think that you are called to sing in front of these people you're wrong you're not you're called to sing along but you're not called to lead it and that's the real problem is some people have been lied to about discernment you know, if you think you're good at it, then put you up in front of the judges that America's got talent. And let's actually see what, what that is. You know, what discernment does is makes us live reality. It's mm -hmm. a reality check. And that's what a lot of Catholics are afraid to do, mm -hmm. the reality check. Sorry yes. for being so bold, but this is obviously something that I have felt passionate about because for many years, I was afraid to share my talents with people. Mm. And it led me to a type of correctness that is not the life of Catholicism, mm. to live rightly and to be appropriate at all times. But man, some of the greatest saints from Mother Teresa to St. Francis of Assisi and beyond, including Padre Pio, they were, they had chutzpah. They mm. were not afraid to live outside of that quote unquote Mm -hmm. Yes, I totally agree. And I think there can be this idea in our mind that we have to be boring or we have to fit into boxes that other people want to put us in. And I've certainly seen that, you know, in even just as a speaker, I've had people tell me, well, you don't really, you know, there's not a demand for this topic. So you can't speak on that. And I'm like, hey, this is what God is calling me to. That's why I created this podcast. If there's not you know, already a market for it, there is in people's hearts and God's going to bring that to fruition in whatever way he wants to. But yeah, to step outside of the boxes that we like to put ourselves in, I, I totally agree. Yeah. Um, I, I'd like to move on to some listener questions, if you don't mind. Um, so I, I put out a, uh, a little thing on Instagram and I said, tell me your biggest discernment frustrations. And man, people were they were shooting them right back at me. <laughs> so let's dive into some things that, that are the most frustrating for people. So one listener sure. said she is afraid of making quote unquote, the wrong choice. That was her whole question. So, you know, obviously anything that's immoral is going to be outside of God's will, but is God's will for us to potentially do several things or even many things, or is it just one thing? Hey, I'm sure you're really enjoying my conversation with Father Leo. 
so I will make this quick. I wanted to share with you five ways that you can help support my mission with this podcast. The first one is please pray for me. Pray for my mission. Pray that God will use me however he wants. The second one is tell your friends and invite me to speak. If you have uh, at a conference you love going to or an event that's coming up at your parish and you need a speaker, please recommend me to whoever's in charge. I would love to come and meet you in person. And please also pass on Calvin Caffeinated to whoever you know who needs to hear what's being shared. The third way to support my podcast is to subscribe on my website. Go to S-T-A-C-E-Y-S-U-M-E-R-E-A-U.com. I know that's a mouthful. StacySummero.com. And check it out. There'll be a box that appears that says uh, something like subscribe. (laughs) You can just put in your, your email address and you will get my worksheet called How to Make the Right Choice, which contains all of the best discernment tips and tools that I want to share with you for free. You'll also get called and caffeinated in your inbox once every two weeks. So the fourth way you can help support me is to write a review on iTunes. That takes like literally 30 seconds. You could either leave a review or a rating or both, and I would appreciate either one. The fifth way is to become my caffeinated crony on Patreon. It's only $5 a month. You can take me out for a latte and you get exclusive access to my new faith and lifestyle show called Coffee Sips. Go to patreon.com slash called and caffeinated to find out more. And now let's get back to that episode. So that question really speaks not about God, but speaks about that person's own insecurity. Mm. Uh, Because it basically tells that person that, they have to be right all the time. Mm-hmm. And, and that really is not humility. That is pride. And again, that's just me putting that person in front and critiquing that person's approach to faith. There is fear, which is motivated by this person's arrogance that they don't want to make a mistake. Mm-hmm. The fact is, discernment requires you to screw up on occasion and then drop down on your knees and beg for not only forgiveness, but insight as to why that mistake was made. We sometimes have such a black and white approach to our faith that if you don't do this, then you aren't really being a good Catholic. Mm -hmm. Well, let me tell you, you know where to find a good Catholic? In confession, because they all screw up. A good Catholic is someone who knows they're going to screw it up. And, but they're still going to try. You know, you, you just look at the scripture passages and it says something to the effect of, gosh, you know, you disciples, when you evangelize, you are going to drink poison. You are going to get bitten by snakes, but you're not going to die. So don't be so dramatic about it. You know, just go out there and do it. And after you've prayed about it in the name of God and you've taken all the necessary precautions, even then you're going to screw up. Mm-hmm. But guess what? That's okay, too, because God is so forgiving, and he can even use our mistakes and turn them into lessons for grace Mm -hmm. in the future. So I I don't want to be mean to that person. It's going to always sound like I'm attacking this person. Really, what I'm attacking is that person's pride, Mm -hmm. that they're not allowed to make mistakes. Mm -hmm. And, you know, at the heart of it, if this person really starts to think about it, it's because they've replaced faith which is fearless with, with piety, which I like, but it can also be crippling. Mm, yes. And I, I think that's a really good point. And I'm wondering if this person was kind of um, asking sort of uh, another part, um, another question as well within that one question, which is, is God's will for us to just 
uh, do one thing. Like I created this person for you to marry. And so this is the one person you can marry. Does that make sense? Yeah. But let's Mm -hmm. even talk about that. Mm -hmm. I know of many divorces that are truly part of God's plan because it should never have happened in the first place. And therefore it led to this beautiful process of discernment called an annulment. And I'm so grateful that the church even has this process because it really is a discernment about what marriage is and what people think it was for them and the fact that they really didn't do it. So again, Mm -hmm. it's connected to this person's fear, which is actually a product of pride. Mm -hmm. You know, if we were to take a look at the moral life very systematically, that fear that I'm afraid that I'm going to do something wrong or the fact that I'm limiting myself to this when I know that there's that, Hey, come on, that, that really is, is breaking of the first commandment. There's a God, and it ain't you. To assume that you're not going to make mistakes in the life of discernment as a Catholic, it's a little ridiculous, to be mm-hmm. honest with you. And I, and I know that this woman or man who asked that question would be like, dang, why is he so angry at me? I'm not angry at you. I'm angry at the sin of pride that you have you know, bought into, a false humility. <laughs> in, in other words, you... Whoever asked that question, you are going to make many mistakes in your walk with Christianity. Jesus fell three times, which is a number to signify eternity. Between now and the time that we get to heaven, we are going to fail and fall 70 times, 77 times. Mm. Get over yourself. Get to confession. And as Saint, oh, excuse me, I already canonized them. As Pope Francis said, Jesus doesn't tire of forgiving. We just get tired of asking for it. But if this person is talking about like, you know, I don't want to make a mistake if I should have been a nun rather than get married. Well, then just try it. (laughs) Try the discernment process. Go through the formation. You'll know because it'll be abundantly clear to you if you're taking this seriously, if this is a right fit for you. If not, then try the dating scene and you'll realize, huh, you know, maybe as much as I like this person, I want to devote my life to not taking care of this person, but perhaps taking care of the needs of the church and the world. Mm-hmm. And that's okay too. Or, hey, guess what? You're called to live, uh, you know, a, a, a married life, but you also want to, to do the work of God in so many different ways and just become a lay you know, part of a lay ministry group, or even join my community of secular institutes where we even have lay people who are consecrated members of the church and the mission as well. So you can see how that fear to make a mistake or to choose something that they don't believe God was calling them to do, eh, it's very limiting mm-hmm. to God's omnipotence, his all-powerful ways. Mm-hmm. And God is also omnipresent. God is even present to you when you're screwing up. Think about that. That should humble us. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. Another listener question is, how much should you let what other people say affect your discernment? It's important to listen to people you trust, but to what extent? Because people can give good and bad advice, even if they mean well. So how do you ultimately decide? You just have to make the decision as to which person you want to listen to more, you know, and that's why, you know, um, when it comes to things, even like going to a doctor, they'll always say, but you want to get a second opinion, mm-hmm. you know, just 
make sure you get a second opinion. And so, but ultimately, you can't rely on living your life based on what they say. Mm-hmm. You have to do it by really asking yourself, what is God, do I believe, saying to me? Mm-hmm. So there has to be a balance of good consultation with the right people, including your critics. You know, like on Twitter, I, I rarely block people. I think I've maybe blocked like five or six people and I've been on Twitter for, I don't know, over 10 years. Mm-hmm. Um, because as much as the, there's a lot of negativity thrown my way, I listen to it. And I just don't, you know, I, I listen to it and I think, okay, how did it affect me? Did it kind of strike me to the core? Uh, because that might actually be something I need to listen to. I call it the Shimei effect. Shimei was a, a, a critic of King David in the Old Testament who would throw rocks at King David and follow him. Basically, he was like an Old Testament troll to King David. <laughs> and King David's army, they said, hey, King, do you just want me to go over there and lock this guy's head off? And King David said, no, just keep let him go because, you know, maybe that's God's way of keeping me humble because I had screwed up and I was such an idiot. And I was, you know, I, 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 I took advantage of my authority and I uh, basically had an illicit relationship. <laughs> so with Bathsheba, so, you know, we'll, we'll keep him around because he's good for my humility or mm-hmm. he's bad for my pride, one or the other. <laughs> so, so I think what these people who are asking these questions have to ask is like, who are they listening to and why? And mm-hmm. ultimately, the one to help uh, you make that right decision is God. And, you know, does God speak to other people? Absolutely. Including your critics. Mm-hmm. So you got to listen to that as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I definitely, um, just from my own perspective, I wish that I had been more secure in that kind of that small voice that when I tuned into it, it really spoke truth to me as I was trying to make all these kind of overwhelming decisions about my vocation and so forth. People will tell you something and sometimes you'll think, oh, it'll sort of rock your insecurity. Um, and just to put my my two cents in, um, I really kind of knew in my core, like most times, what what was going to be the thing that I really wanted or, or you know, um, the decision that was best in alignment with what I was suited to. And so often I just didn't trust that because I thought, well, this person must know better. But, you know, uh, if you're feeling that that little voice um, of peace, often that is that is from God, I find. So that's my little contribution. Um, another. Yeah, yeah. Another listener, um, she's having trouble distinguishing whether the fear she's feeling toward one option is truly a sign that she's not going to find peace with that option, or if those feelings are coming from the devil and they're lies from Satan who's trying to slow her down. This is a tough one. What do you have to say to her? Well, I don't know the situation, so it's hard Mm -hmm. for me to give her anything that's going to be valuable, but fear is certainly connected not to God, unless, of course, it humbles you and makes you trust more. And then then we can say that that quote-unquote fear is the fear of God, which is the first stage of wisdom. Mm -hmm. So I think what this person needs to is start looking more for not what gives you peace, but really what gives you more fear of the Lord, which is the first stage of wisdom. I think this person just needs to look at fear in the eyes. What is this person afraid of? Mm -hmm. And again, back to that first question that you asked, um, it is sometimes connected to pride uh, simply because if we are fearing that we're going to make a mistake, then then you've already 
made that mistake. (laughs) (laughs) The fact is you are going to make mistakes. So I I don't know exactly what this person is talking about, but you know, when we talk about peace, that doesn't mean that there's going to be an absence of questions or doubt or, or, or an absence of, of challenges in your life. No, uh, this peace is really coming from a knowledge that you are trying your best to do God's will as best as you can in the present moment, not for what's going to happen tomorrow or what's going to happen the next day, but you're just, that peace comes from you trying to do God's will as best as you can and as best as you've discerned in this present moment. And then Mm -hmm. take it, my goodness, one day at a time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Another listener uh, wrote to me that her biggest frustration is the lack of a clear answer from God. I hear this all the time. We've addressed this different times on the podcast, but I think it's just one of those things where if you're trying to listen and you don't get an answer in prayer, it can start to feel really frustrating. So what advice do you have for her? Well, I think it might be a clarity in the question. (laughs) So a lot of times people always say, well, I don't exactly know what God is saying to me. And I say, well, then let me ask you this. What are you actually asking? Hmm. And, you know, as a spiritual director, that's just a question that they need to hear. They, They don't, let's put it this way. They're people who are bad at communicating with each other, and they're not very good, therefore, at communicating with God. There is a real lack of clarity in what they're asking for. Mm. If this person is asking, you know, am I called to be a nun or am I called to be a priest, but they've really done nothing about it to discern it, then that's their fault. God Mm. is speaking very clearly. You know, I think we heard of that kind of analogy. Oh, I want a million dollars, but they don't buy the lottery ticket. You know, I want to win a million dollars on the lottery, but you don't buy the ticket. Well, then that's their fault. So I think what we've got to do is ask the question, what are they asking for specifically? I want a life of peace and security. Well, sorry, you're not going to have that completely in this life because guess what? This ain't heaven. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, there are times in my prayer, like when I am tested or tempted or struggle with loneliness, because that can even happen even in married people. I might ask myself without really being clear, you know, do I even want a relationship with someone? And I will have to articulate that and be very clear with God. And I'm, you know, grateful that I've come to a realization that God is my companion. And it matches not only my life as a priest, but my temperament and my personality as a very, you know, unique priest. Um, I know that I'm not called to be a monk uh, or to live as a cloistered, you know, priest in silence. But I also know I'm called to have relationships with people, but not in the way that the world has sexualized it. You know, I, I am called to intimacy with good friends and, and, and with people who kind of satisfy my soul. And so in that discernment, God has allowed me to realize, 
Well, then what are you doing to develop intimate, good relationships with people? If all you're doing is just kind of sitting there and bitching and complaining about it, but not actually calling a friend and sharing a little bit of your, your own soul and your own issues and concerns, well, then you're going to go elsewhere to find that intimacy. So what are you doing to establish a good, healthy, holy, intimate relationship with someone? You know, but that only came about because I was being very honest with my question. So the lack of an answer might be because there's a lack of a question. Mm, that's a really good point. Yeah. Um, another question we have is that there's a listener. And again, this is tough when you don't know the specific situation, kind of like you said with that other sure. question. Um, but she doesn't know if she's following God's will or her own will. So what are the, uh, what would be your way of, of um, making sure that you're actually listening to God's will instead of just kind of doing what you want or something else? So a lot of people make fun of me because my community is called Voluntas Dei, which means mm -hmm. the will of God. But mm -hmm. there's a lot of people who say, oh gosh, it sounds more like Leo has joined a community called Voluntas Nei, which means my will. Because they think that me having a cooking show, being on TV, traveling here, there, and everywhere, oh, Leo's just doing it because he likes to do it. That couldn't be more full of crap than I've ever heard in my life. Like, honestly, do you honestly think a priest goes through seminary six years after college in order to have a cooking show on TV? I mean, whose idea could this possibly be? Because I'm not smart enough to do this. This has to be part of God's ultimate plan mm -hmm. because I'm yeah, not creative that way. But when they say voluntas mei, which means my will, I have to ask, you know, when you got married, whose will was it? Was it your will or was it God's will? I even say to a priest who got ordained, whose will was it? God's will or your will? You know what? If we were to take a look at this, even at Mary and her yes to God, whose will was it that she be the mother of God? Was it hers? She didn't know that she would be the mother of, I mean, like, could you imagine Mary as like a kid growing up saying, oh, I just want to be God's mother of the incarnate <laughs> son, Jesus. No, you know, it's kind of ridiculous. So maybe what we have to do is look at it this way. Voluntas nostre, which means our will. What is God's will? Because it is perfect. And what is my will? And because I want to have a, a, a loving relationship with God, not just as God's servant, as God's friend, Jesus even said it. I don't call you a slave. I call you my friend. What would a voluntas nostre, the will of God and me, mm -hmm. what would that look like? You know, and, and when we do that, it's a little bit more peaceful because mm -hmm. then it looks like, God listens to me and that I'm actually listening to God and that guess what? We're listening to each other. And, and because God's will is not set out to hurt you mm -hmm. in any way. God's will is there to help you be fully who you are called to be. But we don't even know what that is. So why don't you start by asking what makes me happy? What makes me Peaceful. What fills me with joy? You know, when I was young, I thought that um, I used to study law. I was a political science and journalist major, and I wanted to, to be a lawyer. Uh, at that time, this show called L.A. Law 
was very popular. And, and I wanted to be a lawyer because I wanted to drive a fancy car and have a corner office overlooking some seat <laughs> and making bad people feel stupid and sending them to jail while <laughs> celebrating with a glass of, I don't know, wine. You know, so, this, so that was kind of my thought. Um, but then I just started to ask myself, well, what makes me happy? And, and really what made me happy was sharing the message of Christ, helping people along the way. And, and I thought, well, then great. Well, then I'll be a youth minister. And that was kind of cut short because people just didn't want me to be a youth minister at their church and pay me for it. And so I'm like, well, are you kidding me? You got to pay me for it because I don't want to just, I can't do it for free, mm-hmm. but I still want to do it. And so I had to realize that maybe I wasn't called to do a youth ministry, but ministry in general. And so that's what led into my whole discernment of being a priest. And I say that simply because it began with that question, those very simple, basic questions. Mm. While I know God has one desire for me, that is to become a saint. That's God's ultimate will. Let's not replace it with, does God want me to be a priest? That's stupid. Does God want me to be a nun? Nah, he's not even asking that right now. God's asking you just right now, what makes you happy? What, what gives you peace? What helps you to become a model of holiness? Let's just ask those questions first. And then talk with the right people who have no other agenda but that for you. Mm-hmm. And you'll see how these baby steps lead into a path to a particular vocation. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes, absolutely. You're not going to know the answer now, but sometime you will. And maybe there won't even be like an ultimate, you know, you're never going to feel like a finished product. I think that's what life is teaching me. Um, You're never going to feel like, okay, I found it and now I'm done. There's always a growing, there's always a becoming. Um, And I love that you said um, the will, uh, like our will, because I, I think that was a huge, huge part of my discernment, taking down those walls and realizing as I discerned religious life that like, it wasn't going to be me waking up every day, hating my life. There are lots of days when I wake up and it's hard because I have two little babies, but it's not going to be this thing where God just like wants me to always do the thing that I hate. It's absolutely not true at all. And God, God's will and what he created you for and what he dreamed up for you before you were born is actually going to be the thing that most fulfills you. It's so simple. So yeah, thank you for shedding all of that light on that topic. Um, yeah. Totally different topic. Uh, There is a friend of mine who has uh, three children. She's a listener of the show, and she never thought about discerning a vocation to a religious life when she was a teenager. So she actually went to school with nuns, but then she, uh, she, they weren't, um, they weren't very encouraging of any of the young women to become nuns. So it just never occurred to her. And now she's investing more in her faith. She's kind of growing the domestic church and she wants to encourage her children to discern religious life, but because she never did it, she doesn't really know exactly how to go about doing that. So what, what would you advise her to do? Well, first of all, not to try to relive her past through her children, because Mm -hmm. that's just creepy, but it happens a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, where parents are sometimes trying to be such good Catholics, they're raising their children in like convents and, you know, (laughs) seminaries. And, and that's just weird. I I think what you have to do is let children be children and let parents be parents. And what do I mean by that? Allow kids just to explore, 
but then also letting the parents give them opportunities to explore. Mm -hmm. So, you know, um, my parents, they gave us tremendous opportunities to go to discos. You know, we we like, I remember going to school dances and we're like, do I like dancing? I'm good at this. I like doing it. But they also took us to shrines. So literally Mm -hmm. the whole gamut was there from not like sinful dancing, you know, but guess what? When you're a kid and you're a teenager and you're going to go dancing with your friends at this like teen disco, you're acting, you're going to act like an idiot. I mean, we've all seen, we've all seen, um, you know, um, stranger things and (laughs) their first kisses at disco dances as a kid. But, you know, so we went to that, but we also went to shrines and prayed on our knees in front of the blessed sacrament. Mm -hmm. You know, um, my parents, also gave us opportunity to do service. I remember like at least one Sunday a month, we would go to the nursing home and mm-hmm. just kind of with my dad, he's a doctor. And we just kind of sat there and talked to the patients as he made his round. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes we would again, because we're Filipino, we would sing songs to these people just out of the blue. So we had these experiences and that's ultimately what a parent's responsibility is. It's not to prevent them from experiencing things, including including their own humanity, mm-hmm. you know, their own humanity. Mm-hmm. Um, but giving them the opportunities and then taking time to reflect on it, talk with them about it, helping them to understand what could have been more helpful and what was not as helpful or healthy in this approach as opposed to that approach. You know, Mm -hmm. as opposed to just simply telling them you can't go there because it's going to lead to sin, you know, sex, drugs, and rock and roll. That's just, that's just, that's of the devil. Because you know what's going to happen? We've all seen Footloose, the minister's kids. Well, maybe you haven't because you're young, but uh, it was a movie back in the 80s for anyone who is not old enough. The minister's kids are the ones who always rebel the most. They made a reality show about it, didn't they? Preacher's Daughters. I have no idea. I know they made a reality show about a couple girls trying to become metal. I remember that. (laughs) You do know that. I know you know that. I was on your show in, oh, 2014 talking about that. I think it was actually the year before or something that Preacher's Daughters came out. And it was funny because I didn't didn't watch reality TV, but I think I started like flipping on Lifetime to see, okay, what's on this channel? And it was like Preacher's Daughters. And I was like, okay, I'm hoping my show isn't like this one. And it wasn't, thank goodness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. But yes, yeah, the, the idea is rebelling because your parents are, were strict with you. Uh, or, so or to, answer that, to answer your friend's question, mm-hmm. your job is not to try to force them to live, you know, to turn your home into a convent or a seminary. Mm-hmm. Your job is to provide them with many experiences of mm-hmm. prayer and playing, mm-hmm. of fun and faithfulness you know, of discipline and disco. I'm just trying to be very alliterational. Love here, it. You know, with, <laughs> so, so you've just got to give them those experiences. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One one really great thing that my mom did when we were little was we used to go to the Port Clare Monastery in Alexandria, Virginia. We just have mass there every once in a while. And even though we didn't really get to see the nuns because they were cloistered, we would always watch them come up to the communion um, the door for communion and then we would hear them uh, singing and and it was just really cool to see like we didn't get to go inside the convent but just to see that nuns exist and to just go to daily mass there every once in a while and I think um, 
with young men, I think there's, there's maybe this is separate, but maybe related. There's a little bit more of a tendency for young men to maybe think about religious life because there's, they see priests every Sunday, but I think for women, there's just not as much visibility with nuns. So maybe as a parent, you could be a little more intentional about taking your daughter's you know, to just to see, just to see a convent or like if there are any in your area helping support those sisters, a lot of times they need donations and you can go and, you know, make, make friends with them and offer your services because they live in, in poverty. And so they do need the, you know, the help of a community and the same thing with any monks that are around, maybe there's cloistered monks. So just kind of organically letting your children be exposed to, uh, to sure. religious yeah. in you know. area. And while there are not as many visible nuns, um, we do have the internet and we do mm-hmm. even have, uh, you know, TV where you could just Google search, Hey, the life of a nun, you know, and, and, and look at that. I mean, there mm-hmm. are things online where honestly, I think that, for example, one of the things that a parent can do, um, because a lot of times with technology, people are so frustrated by it. Say, okay, you know what? This dinner, you're going to have the chance to look at technology, but I'm going to give you what you're going to look for and we're going to talk about it at dinner. Mm-hmm. You know? So just go ahead and, and research cloistered nuns and you'll be surprised at what you might think and see and find. Totally. So or you can watch that at dinner. Yeah. You can watch the sisterhood becoming nuns. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's yeah. right. Available on Amazon season one, you know, episode four. I don't know. Yeah, exactly. But, iTunes, even so, YouTube has, a, has an episode or two, I think. So I just think that um, for that parent's question, which is a good one, let kids be kids. Help them to discern not right and wrong only, but what is healthy mm. as opposed to unhealthy. What is wholesome and wholehearted versus more selfish? Mm-hmm. Um, what is going to, to be um, more helpful, you know, uh, to, to people, you know, mm-hmm. is, is being a nun going to be more helpful than being a lawyer, you know, mm-hmm. and then you have to measure a person's uh, temperament and their personal background and their own personal makeup. And, and so when you look at that, it kind of opens their world a little bit and helps them to see, gosh, like, for example, the sisters of Alma, they are some of the most educated women I've ever met in my entire life. They all seem to have doctorates mm. in very high levels of disciplines. And it just helped me to realize that they were making more of an impact using their trade and their passion and their professional occupation as a nun than just simply as a whatever, you know? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. they kind of expanded their horizon, but that was their particular call. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, this has all been so wonderful. Thanks for shedding light in your uh, fiery way on so many of these different topics. Um, (laughs) I'm so excited to put this out to my listeners and I just uh, really will be praying for all your travels. So thank you for your time, Father Leo. It is my pleasure. And thank you for taking the fire, so to speak. And and (laughs) please know when anything is super spicy, when anything is super spicy, Eat bread because that actually helps to kind of mute out the flavors or drink milk. Um, And so I just think, you know, drink the milk of the church, which is the blood of Christ and the bread of life, which kind of helps tamper the heat. And if it is hot spicy, then I just simply say, go into your refrigerator for a few minutes, 
and chill out. (laughs) You know. (laughs) So thank you for having me on, and God bless you and your listeners. You as well, Father Leo. I hope you enjoyed some kind of caffeinated beverage and loved talking with Father Leo as much as I did. I will see you in two weeks. I cannot wait. The next episode coming up is Jackie and Bobby Angel, which is like a dream for me to have been able to record with them. So make sure you tell your friends it's going to be an incredible, incredible episode. I hope you are doing well, and I would love to hear from you. Come on over to my website and tell me what you thought. Tell me what your biggest discernment frustrations are, and I would love to have an expert guest answer them for you. Don't forget to hang out for just a second. You're going to hear one voice, one song right about now. Like a dream set free Travelers know